Boogie Down with Reformed Dabo Girl Chase Masterson as she takes you inside Discovery every week on the all-new Star Trek podcast, Disco Nights. From the producers of Inglorious Trexperts, wherever you listen to the 430 movie. And keep looking at the stars. Hello, this is not Gene Roddenberry, but uh, if I was around, I would definitely be listening to Inglorious Trexperts, the new podcast from the people who brought you the 430 movie. Check it out, 430movie.com. Back in the 70s and 80s, before the advent of VHS, chances are if you saw a classic movie, it was on the 430 movie. With their famous theme weeks, it was a chance to see movies you never saw before and get reacquainted with some old classics. So, join us now for the 430 movie. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and this is Can't Stop the Music Week. (laughs) Welcome to the 430 movie. Here we are with our regular band of expert programmers, Mr. Stephen Melching. Hello. Darren Doctorman. I'm going to stop the music any chance I can. And <laughs> Ashley E. Miller. I'm tone deaf. What? <laughs> <laughs> what is Can't, can't Stop the Music Week? We'd uh, like to know, too. <laughs> I know. We, never, we never really talked about this one. Can't Stop the Music Week is movies about music and musicians. Movies about music and musicians. So it'll be a very musical, very musical week. And let me tell you, there are a lot of great movies about music and musicians. I don't know what it is that, uh, that's so compelling, at least to me, about <laughs> movies about musicians and music. Well, maybe you were a frustrated musician in another life. Uh, well, maybe I was. Well, there, there's a very close relationship between music and movies. Yep. First of all, they are the only art forms that have a beginning, middle, and end and, and travel through time. Uh, you know, that's a podcast for later. But, uh, the, you know, because they go forward and you experience them in a linear fashion mm-hmm. and they end, you know. And sometimes they have different endings. Well, Choose Your Own Adventures <laughs> are wonderful. You know what we're missing for for this uh, podcast? Remember at Jeff Bond's birthday a couple of years ago where he had the theremin player? At his birthday party, and I the do. guy would play the theremin all through the party. I we, wish I'd known. I should have brought the theremin. It was such a hit, that that theremin player. You could have brought the theremin and played the uh, theremin. If only I'd known. Uh, or brought a blaster beam. Well, I don't have one personally, but I've seen it played live, and it's amazing. Wow. That, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, man. But V'ger is not a musician. Can't Stop the Music. Is, is, are, the, are, the, are, the, uh, are the the village people eligible this week for Can't Stop the Music Week? The village people are always eligible. Always. I'm waiting for that Just movie. Just wait till you, till you hear my choice. Bohemian, <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody is a big hit in theaters, but uh, but uh, I'm, I'm waiting for the village people biopic. Well, you're going to have to wait just a little longer. I, I, like I, 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 fifty I, years. I guess, I guess so. You know, and that's when Ashley says, "Well, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm currently writing that right now." <laughs> uh. <laughs> the protagonist is the construction worker, and <laughs> the nemesis is the Indian who can no longer be called the Indian, who is now the Native American member of the YMCA crowd or whatever. Yeah. I think you're traveling down a dangerous road, Mark. Well, who are, who are the four <laughs> village people? It was the Indian, it was Native American, the the, the, the policeman, construction the worker, the construction worker, and then some other a leather guy, right? Guy. Yeah. <laughs> you're like leather, like a leather guy. Leather, the motorcycle chaps guy. guy. A motorcycle, motorcycle guy, guy who was chaps. a leather aficionado. Eric, <laughs> Eric, Eric Estrada. <laughs> okay, I'm glad we got that resolved. Thank you. Uh <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, well, you know what? I guess we should move on with the show, Maybe Steve. Maybe we should start the music. That's <laughs> Maestro. Too many notes. Give me a beat. Um, Steve Melching, Monday. Well, it's, it's funny you should say that because that you just quoted my pick, the movie I Want to Program. Amadeus? Amadeus. Amadeus, Amadeus, Amadeus by Falco. is legitimately one of my favorite movies of all time. I absolutely adore it. It's in my top 10. It will always be in my top 10. Um, I I just love that movie for so many reasons. It was uh, it came out in uh, 1984 and it was one of the first grown-up movies that I saw in a theater. Mm. Um, that it made me feel, you know, like oh, I'm seeing an important film. I was like 16 years old and uh, and uh, here's this this epic story about a famous historical mm. person, and uh, you know, it was, of course, directed by Milos Forman and based on the play by uh, Peter Schaefer, who also wrote the screenplay. I don't know if it should be eligible. What are you talking because, about? Uh, Salieri did stop the music. <laughs> <laughs> no, only. No. Only the Grim Reaper of Death stopped Salieri's music. That's yeah, exactly okay, right. Yeah, okay, and, you know, okay. that's the amazing thing, an, an amazing thing about music. And, and this always blows my mind when I think, uh, when I go to an orchestral concert and listen to that kind of music, the, I, the, that human beings were able to create all these different musical instruments over thousands of years, mm-hmm. starting with percussions and then getting into woodwinds and and uh, and stringed instruments and brass and they f- people figured out how to put them together yeah and then how to craft sounds craft the music write music for them create a system to write it down so that musicians for all time can put that music on a stand pick up an instrument and reproduce it exactly the way it was intended mm-hmm. by the composer and, you know, I saw, I went to a Beethoven concert uh, last year, and, you know, I was thinking, this music was written, like, what, 300 years ago? And it's Not quite. Well, 250. 250, it was, yeah. It's just... Super dusty. <laughs> <laughs> it was just blowing my mind. I'm looking at, you know, there's like 80 musicians on stage, and they're playing this 250-year-old music, and it sounded yeah. amazing. Um, but anyway, so back to Amadeus. It's I think it's a brilliant movie. <laughs> it is, uh, it, it is. I absolutely love it. Uh, great cast led by you know, F. Murray Abraham, who won the uh, Oscar uh, for playing Salieri. And um, later went on to be a truly not very good Star Trek villain in Star Trek Insurrection. This is true. But Can he's great. Can make this a Star Trek free podcast? <laughs> well, I just want to say, if you're enjoying the 430 movie, check out our sister podcast, Inglorious Trexperts, also available wherever podcasts are uh, I prefer the term the sibling Murray podcast. Abraham you can shake a stick at. <laughs> Don't shake your stick at F. F. Murray Abraham. Abraham. Ever. No. He doesn't like that. He might bite it right off. Uh, and of course, Tom Hulse played uh, the title character, right. Amadeus. Uh, I believe that role was originated on Broadway by Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Well, I have to say, I did see it on Broadway. Did you really? And I, I actually prefer the play. Interesting. But which is which is interesting because I didn't love the movie when I saw it because I'd seen the play and loved the play. Um, and uh, now I love the movie. Yeah. You know, because enough time has passed. But um, when I saw it, I really preferred the uh, preferred the play. Um, and uh, I don't know if Mark Hamill originated that role. I don't think he did. He yeah. he did but, perform it. Uh, he yeah. did perform it, and 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 I, I think I saw it with the original cast. I don't know if I saw it with Mark Hamill. Well, it's but amazing. How did he play the piano? Play. Missing a hand. <laughs> <laughs> 
He had a robotic hand. Oh, right. <laughs> okay, cool. Didn't you see the movie? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's on our other <laughs> podcast, <laughs> <the> War Story. <laughs> Bum bum. No, you can you can do that as long as you want because we don't have to pay a license fee for classical music. Mozart, yes. We can you can sing that to your heart's content. But you know, interestingly, I think Tom Hulse and 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 F. Murray Abraham are both nominated for Best Actor, which I think was the it's the last time I think two actors from the same film were nominated in that category. And didn't F. Murray Abraham win? Yes. Yeah. And deservedly so. He's magnificent in that movie. Uh, Jeffrey Jones, of course, is great in it. Back before we knew that he was a, uh, you know, into some. Odd Back stuff, before he but, was four hundred pounds, yeah. But he's oh, hilarious. He's absolutely hilarious in it. And uh, Vincent Chiavelli has always been one of my favorite character <laughs> actors, except as Doctor Kaufman in Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, God, he's awful in that movie. And you know, it's so funny because I found that they were actually talking about spinning off a Doctor Kaufman series from that movie. What? I thought it was a Michelle the, Yeoh. No, they were, but the producers loved Vincent Schiavelli as Doctor Kaufman. They thought it was so great. I hate that scene. Huh. Anyway. Well, he's in a terrific movie called Taking Off that was also directed by Milos, Milos Forman, uh, his first American film, and he just is, is a total scene stealer in this movie. And in Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He's, he's great in everything. <laughs> I was so bummed when he died. He, he, he also gave Except Angel back his dies. soul in, in, uh, in Buffy. Oh. And, and, of course, Amadeus. You, you know, I, I like to say that, at least for my... For me, on the 430 movie, I'm not necessarily trying to pick the movie that I think is the best movie in any given category. Sure, certainly not. It's like a movie that I really like. But in this case, I really like it, and I think it really is yeah. one of the best. That's interesting. I mean, it's really important to emphasize this show is about curation. Yeah. It's not about ten top ten lists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're never trying necessarily to pick the best movie, but the movie that fits the theme and that we feel we also want to shine a light on. Yeah, that may not be the most it. obvious. Like Cloak and Dagger. <laughs> I don't think there's been an episode since then that we have not referenced Cloak and Dagger at least once. Which means, retrospectively, it was a great pick. <laughs> That's one way of looking at it. <laughs> well, one, one of the things that I, I didn't really realize at the time, the first time I saw Amadeus when I was in high school and, and a music student, um, I think I saw it three times in the theater that year when it came out because I was just so enamored. And it's a long it. movie. Kept, yeah, it's like the, almost the, the original cut was like two hours and 40 minutes or something. You know, and Warner Brothers did a great, uh, they put it out as a digibook. They don't do those anymore. I love oh, yes, the digibooks, the digibook, which sure. were like these mini books, which had the Blu-rays in them. And they did it for about a year, year and a half. And I guess people didn't like them because they didn't. They preferred to have them in standard. I love the I love the digibook because it came with like liner notes mm-hmm. and it looked like a book. Yeah, it's Unfortunately, it was the theatrical version is not available anymore. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's, it's only the it's uh, only, only the director's cut, which I, you know I think is is lovely. But I, I would like to have the theatrical version. Warner Brothers, if you're listening. Uh, nice. But but one thing I, I I discovered later upon rewatching the film, uh, you know, maybe ten years later, is that it's it's a great allegory for Hollywood. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I am sure that was the intention. It was uh, you know showbiz. You know showbiz is sort of timeless. But mm-hmm. this whole idea of these patrons that are like the studios that yeah. are hiring these these and these immature geniuses. assholes who are try- who are very talented yeah. trying to beg for money exactly. yeah, somebody yeah, giving too many, very, yeah, too many notes too many notes <laughs> <laughs> um, the backstabbing you know the the jealousies and the rivalries and the backstabbing it is such a great allegory for uh, the film business 
and and then yeah. you know those the whole notion of you know Salieri seeing himself as the patron saint of mediocrities and and cursing God for um, for instilling in him the burning desire to create music but denying him the talent that he thinks he needs. <laughs> I mean, I think that's something that a lot of artists, myself included, can relate to that sort of imposter syndrome. Um, so I. I uh, I, I was excited when I visited Prague uh, about 20 years ago. The hotel that I stayed in was on the same street that they filmed some of Amadeus mm. on, including the, the the Mozart home, which which like right. half a block away. And interestingly, was also ho- the home of Madeleine Albright uh, when she was really? a girl. Oh, and, wow. Uh, she, she lived there for a few years. That was interesting. But. Anyway, you know, great Secretary I, of State. I could go on, but but I just I just love this movie, and uh, you know, it's been what thirty four years since it came out. Wow, we're old. Yeah, but yeah, I would right. encourage anyone who hasn't well, seen. Well, I hadn't it. been born yet. It's not <laughs> when it came out. Says Ashley. Eighty four. Incredulously, yeah. yeah. No, I'm kidding. I. <laughs> Just go with it. You're a liar, Mr. Miller. You're a liar, Mr. Walsh. (laughs) Yes, it's a costume movie, and it's it's old, and it's a costume movie, and it's about classical music, but it is incredibly entertaining. It's so much fun. It's about the joy of music. Mm -hmm. It's it's visually stunning. It has a great cast. One of the fun things about the film is that all the characters that are uh, German— have non-English accents. They have they have uh, sort of American accents, mm. so that when you're watching it, you feel like you are a German watching in mm. you know your native tongue. <laughs> these people, and it's it's a really subtle way that he sh- sort of shows the ordinary people. And Mozart was an ordinary person. But his first choice was Sean Connery with a Scottish accent. Right. Well, <laughs> with that like, would have gone a different way. Yeah. Um, this movie was uh, probably, no, I think it definitely was the first movie where I realized that people, that movies aren't kind of born in a vacuum and just sort of appear, that people that you can know work on them. Um, and it's so random. My dad's best friend um, was this guy, uh, Uncle Howard, Howard Brandenstein. And his ex-wife was Patrizia von Brandenstein, who kept the last name after the divorce, mainly because... Because it sounds cool. Because it sounds cool. Um, And unpronounceable. And unpronounceable. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, if you you look at that movie, I mean, what she did is just amazing. She was... Did she win the Academy Award or was she just nominated? She was nominated. I don't remember, actually. What did she did on it? She was production designer. She also did The Untouchables. Um, Um, It won for... It won Oscars for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Actor, Art Direction, Hmm. Costumes, Sound, and Makeup. yes. Yeah, and it was nominated I mean, for cinematography no, and editing. But she's no Jessica von Puttermaker. No, no, who is? <laughs> uh, but no, it was it was one of those things where where I just never realized, gonna live that down. <laughs> you know, people do these jobs like that. There are creative people who are involved in the process of making films, and I just found that endlessly fascinating. Um, and uh, it, again, it's like you know the the proof is kind of in the work. It's it's also funny that even though it's you know this sort of uh, High uh, falutin, uh, serious movie. It's funny and it's Im- imminently quotable. Yes. There's mm-hmm. so many f- quotes that people don't necessarily recognize, but they're right from this movie, and it's 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 fun. It's, it's body, a lot of fun. It's, yeah. yeah, 
And 30 Rock did a great parody of it. I don't know if you remember where Dr. Spichemin comes in and he has the doctor oh. and the, the Mozart. <laughs> He's trying to save Rip Torn. It was very funny. So there we are. I mean, yeah, that, there great, go. great, great. Look, great choice. Great way to start the week uh, for a change. Um, what? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Wow. I, I'm kidding. It's great. <laughs> Come on. He's, Steve's had amazing choices. Uh, Tuesday, Darren. Tuesday. Well, you know. What a day. It is. What a day for a movie. Um, I've been bouncing back and forth as to what my choice uh, would be. Uh, but I think I'm finally going to go with Oliver Stone's The Doors. Oh, oh man. Interesting. Um, you sunk my battleship. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I just think it is such a um, a, a mythic <laughs> tale uh, told by, you know, just these guys who started a band in L.A. And it's it's so overblown and over the top yes. and, and crazy and drug-addled and... It's just so much fun. Uh, Val Kilmer, I think, is method acting through the entire uh, uh, trip. Oh, I can confirm <laughs> that. A, a friend of mine uh, had occasion to visit the production offices of The Doors and had to step over Val Kilmer, who was tripping in the hallway. Oh, my God. It's, it's, uh, it's fascinating um, to, to watch this uh, you know, bigger-than-life portrayal of uh, of the band and um, you know seeing Paul Muad'Dib play the keyboard is, <laughs> yeah. is a lot of fun as yeah, well. Yeah, as Ray Manzarek. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and on keyboards, the Quintess Hederach. Play him off the stage. Remember the tune. Singing in the witching voice. You know, and and there's there's the. There's the ubiquitous scene where they're just trying to figure out, come on, baby, light my fire. And, and you know, it's all sort of coming together magically, right. which is, you know, complete BS. <laughs> but it's fun in a cinematic sort of sense and a storytelling sense. And um, it's just fun. And, and none of the uh, – one thing that I like about it is none of the um, – retro look looks fake it looks completely uh real and there's no bad wigs in it and there's no you know crazy uh uh, uh costumes going on it's it's all very the only craziness is on screen kathleen yeah. quinlan oh my god oh, wow. she's yes. she's amazing yeah as the the witch lady <laughs> the witch lady and, and, and you know look i think meg ryan is not well cast as uh and, and she's probably the weak spot of that movie maybe but who would you have put in there it's not a good it's not a good role <laughs> <laughs> so in all fairness to meg ryan <laughs> It's a crazy movie. It's absolutely <laughs> yeah. Crazy. The, the white Harvey the White Rabbit, the Indian that follows him right. around. Oh my God! He starts with that car crash as a kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love that movie. I I love it too. I, I remember seeing it, uh, not really knowing too much about the Doors. I, I you know I had heard some of their music mm-hmm. uh, in passing over the years, but I was transfixed by this movie. I mean, yeah. Oliver. This was Oliver Stone at the height of his powers. And to think that he directed that movie in the same year as JFK still blows my mind. No, that was the Schindler's List Jurassic Park. Yes. Right. <laughs> a one-two punch. Uh, but which was different. which? Right. 
<laughs> oh my god! I, I, you know, I'll tell you, I, I unlike you, Steve, was a huge Doors fan. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, I, I and and uh, I, it was a, a fairly depressing time in my life. So I was listening to Doors a lot, which oh. didn't help. And um, and uh, I remember going to see that movie, and I loved it. And I came home and listened to my answering machine, and and my my uh, my dad was in the hospital, um, and my grandmother had just flown in from Florida. Uh, to 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 visit him, and I get a message. She's in a different hospital. What? That she slipped on the ice, uh, letting herself into his house, and uh, fell and 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 was had a like, concussion or where and and so I then I had it. So now every day I would go visit my dad in the hospital. I then had to go visit my grandmother in a different hospital. Oh my god! And then and I I just remember it so vividly. I so associated with that movie because that movie was so insane and what I was going through in life was so insane. And uh, my, my life was interesting at that point too. I I I have never been in into pop music or rock music or anything like that. It, I'm it so just, surprised you picked this movie. It, it just doesn't... wasn't in my wheelhouse. Yeah. But um, at the time, uh, uh, this girl I knew uh, knew uh, the producer of the film, and she was able to get us tickets to- A. Kitman Ho? Uh, no. Uh-huh. Uh, to, Clayton uh, Townsend? No. Oh. I'm not going to go through the list. Uh, to uh, Robbie Krieger, mm. who was uh, the guitarist, uh, from the doors, and uh, he was doing, you know, a solo uh, show in Westwood, and uh, this was my first, uh, you know, sort of uh, pop concert. Uh, pop uh, that concert, I, rock concert. You know, it wasn't really a rock concert because uh, he, <laughs> okay. he, he had sort yeah, of mellowed. It's, it's Robbie Krieger. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, but uh, and we got to go backstage and hang out a little bit, and there was no, you know, the, the, no drugs anymore. <laughs> it, it's no fun. But it was it That's was like interesting. coming to work in Hollywood in like the aughts. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Hey, you what missed well, all the you know good. What shit. got me into the Doors? <laughs> it was when I saw Apocalypse Now. Oh. You know, the, because of the, it's that great use of, of the end yeah. at the beginning of Apocalypse Now, yeah. and uh, that got me, you know, into the Doors. And so when CDs came out in the late early '90s, late '80s, you know, I, I, I you know, and then I found out that there were these two. Um, Doors albums after Morrison died that are just dreadful. Oh. Yeah, you know, just absolutely. Awful. Um, I I will say that um, I'm going to admit it, and we can still be friends. But uh, I always hated the Doors. I have never forgiven them for the death of my boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always uh, death of my grandmother. <laughs> right. Uh, but that said, I saw this movie, and I loved how effing bananas it was. <laughs> Girl. We can't get much better. Can you dig that? Can you dig that? <laughs> yeah, it's just so audaciously made. The, there's so much energy in the editing and the, the, cinema, the cinematography, and you know, it's just a really entertaining movie. It's the it's the Lawrence of Arabia of rock and roll movies. It's just so <laughs> Gonzo nuts. Yeah. And and that's what's so great about it. It's operatic. Yep. You totally. know, and the music lends itself to right. that. And you know, it's Oliver Stone. You talked about JF. That what a year. JFK and the Doors. I mean, man, that was crazy. And uh, I I just I love the Doors. Uh, you know, and it's just uh, I know a lot of people who are fan who like the band didn't like the movie, mm-hmm. but I I love the Doors. I still love the Doors. Um, I mean, you know, it's just and it really captures. You know this. You know Jim Morrison was such an interesting cat. You know I'm just watching his. Also super high. 
East and <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I mean, and, 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 you know, the way they met and, and they, they, you know, their success and, you know, also so much of when you came out, the mythic elements of Hollywood when we came out here, like the Whiskey A Go-Go and all mm-hmm. these things that were sort of minted, you know, by the doors. And it, it was, it was I, I, I think it's a great choice. I love, and, love it. And being a fan of the Gorn, I love the Lizard King. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but they have so many, so many great songs. I, I, I unlike Ashley, I, I love, I love it. What's your favorite Doors album? I, I only. This is a, a, a sad admission, but after the movie came out, I went out and bought a two disc best of album. Oh, so yeah, the best the of album, album was was good. I, I listened. I still listen to it all the time. See, I had a girlfriend in high school who was really into the Doors, so she got me into the Doors. And mm-hmm. uh, but I was, was I she twenty three at the time. No, she wasn't twenty three. Uh, a shame. <laughs> <laughs> didn't uh, didn't Kilmer perform? Didn't he sing uh, yes. all the performances in the that he are in did. the film? And then they put out a soundtrack album, which was him singing. Yeah. Right. Who cares? <laughs> Who wants Val Kilmer singing The Doors? I want Jim Morrison. It's singing better the than Doors. watching Willow. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's better than watching Mad Morgan sings the blues. <laughs> what wouldn't be better when than the watching Willow? When the movie's over. Swift kicking <laughs> Warwick Davis. <laughs> Is okay, well, uh, I think we've talked way too much about The Doors. Um, <laughs> no, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> the Doors of Imagination are closing. Now on to um, uh, Please stand Ashley Miller for Wednesday. Wednesday. The Exit. On Wednesday. Welcome. Um, you know, here's the thing. I, I think <laughs> there are a lot of really great, um, you know, uh, just stories about musicians, adaptations of their lives. I mean, we could all probably list uh, just a, a, a ton of them, and we will on Friday. Um, but I think <laughs> that, you know, when we're talking about musicians, movies that are really about music and the making of it, that I think sometimes it's valuable to step outside our comfort zone and and look at documentaries. Yes. Okay. Um, and the the documentary it really had an impact on me as a kid because I was just a huge heavy metal fan and I was just a, a huge fan of of this band and it was such a celebration of them and their trials and tribulations. I, think I know what's coming. Um, <laughs> Marty DeBerges. <laughs> oh come on! First Nin- you take the doors, <laughs> then you take my backup. I'm leaving. God damn it. 1982 documentary masterpiece. This is Spinal Tap uh-huh. following Spinal Tap uh, on their troubled uh, <laughs> yeah, their tour troubled of the United tour, States yeah. um, to uh, to promote uh, what now I think is widely regarded as a classic, Smell the Glove. An incredible right. comeback album for them. Ab- right. Absolutely. Um, and also known just, as the Black Album. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and which was apparently really easy to autograph. Yeah. 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 Um, and it just sort of shows, I think, um, it teaches us things about the hubris of, uh, of, of making music. It, it teaches us about the majesty of rock and the mystery of role. Um, <laughs> and yeah. next to Errol Morris, Marty DeBerge is probably the greatest documentary filmmaker of our time. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can't even, you know, imagine. He's certainly like, the most self-promoting. Uh, no question about it. Uh, and, you know, this, this film is a is a classic and I and I think um, it what it did for me was it humanized Spinal Tap you know because I kind of had put them up on this pedestal as, as rock heroes this 18 that I pedestal worshiped. yes yeah. and, and, <laughs> and it went to 11 and um, and then I realized no they're they're people right. like me and some of those people occasionally explode sometimes yeah. right? right I learned watching watching that documentary how dangerous it is to be a drummer you right. wouldn't think it 
but it's incredibly dangerous. I, I never a lot of friction. And I, mm. and I never knew you could choke on someone else's vomit. Uh, yeah, that absolutely. Was a revelation. I mean, it horrified me. I mean, for the longest time, I refused to drink other people's vomit. Yeah. yeah. Because of that. Not anymore. Not anymore. Now I just do it, you know, because it's healthy. I'm keto. So you just, it's. <laughs> it's it's so much fun. Um, I remember seeing it in 84. Uh, um, and. Uh, sorry. Was that funny? No, it is. No, that's not funny. Uh, I'm just pissed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, you know. If you'd like to change the order next time. Nope. You can. Nope. No, nope. I think this order works just fine. Okay. We're all very comfortable up here. <laughs> so you saw the movie in 1984. I saw the movie in 1984 and absolutely loved it. And, um, of course, I'd known about, uh, you know, Spinal Tap for many years. No, I hadn't. No one had. <laughs> Who are you they kidding? were currently residing. You were at a puppet show and you saw the yeah, play once. puppet show and Spinal Tap. <laughs> I came for the puppet show. I stayed for Spinal Tap. And I was a little disappointed. But, you know, it's it's just brilliant. And the the... Uh, mockumentary style that was established by this film. Um, well, it wasn't established because, of course, we'd had the Ruddles yeah. in uh, uh, earlier, like ten years Early earlier. Cash. Yeah. Um, but it's it's so well done, and and the performers are so great in creating these characters that are that are uh, they have depth and they're hilarious, but they're also very real and and very uh, sad. And it's so well done. And uh, Christopher Guest is freaking amazing. Uh, so is uh, Michael uh, McKeon. Michael McKeon and uh, Harry of, co- of course Harry Shearer. But everyone is great. Yeah. You know, uh, Bruce uh, Bruno Kirby yeah. uh, as the yeah. as the driver. You know, <laughs> when you've loved and lost the way Frank has, <laughs> then you you get to know what's happening. You know. It's just so good. Everyone is so good in it. And Criterion put out the uh, Laserdisc uh, with a ton of deleted scenes. Right. And it's one of the few times where the deleted scenes are as funny as the <laughs> stuff that's actually in the movie. And the test reel they put together, the celebration of cheese, <laughs> uh, the the Cheese Festival documentary yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, you know, basically sold the film. How? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say, you know, mostly with comedies, when you hear... Uh, you know, after you've seen a movie a certain amount of times, you smile, but you don't laugh out loud. I cannot watch the Stonehenge scene yeah. Yeah. without laughing. It's I mean, hilarious. Every time I watch it, and Stonehenge was in danger of being crushed by a dwarf. <laughs> the whole thing with the 11 inches, 11 It's so funny. I mean, yeah. just talking about it is cracking oh. me up. I, you know, I got, I went, I've seen them every time they've performed in LA. So I've seen them three times now. And the first time I saw them, they, uh, they went. They were doing Stonehenge, and it came time for Stonehenge to come down on stage. But instead of it being the tiny little Stonehenge, it was so big it couldn't fit down oh. out of the rafters. So this one pedestal started to lower down, and then you heard this horrible screeching sound, and then it just got stuck up there, looming over them. And uh, Nigel Tufnell did a guitar solo, um, that, and the other band members left the stage and he's up there playing the guitar and like getting violins and and using the violin like a bow on the guitar <laughs> strings and then this video screen comes up and you see the other band members leaving the auditorium this is at the old universal oh amphitheater it's now replaced by harry potter land they get in a limousine. <laughs> They're like driving through LA. They're going to In and Out Burger, getting you know, Nigel's hilarious. up there on stage playing. playing. 
<laughs> then they finally came back on stage. Did they? Uh, did they do the Jazz Odyssey? I don't think they did. But... Derek Smalls, he wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I saw him again at the Greek Theater years later, and uh, the opening act came out, and it was these guys in these like pinstriped uh, suits. And uh, the folks, they were the folksmen, and they were doing these folk songs. Uh, And halfway through the set, I realized it's those guys uh, in makeup in different costumes. They were their own opening act. Of course, they were in, you know, A Mighty Wind years later, those same characters, but they left the stage and then changed into their spinal tap outfits. Oh, that's great. You know, people don't realize, but at the time it opened, MTV was such a big part of our lives, and these big, overheated. You know, hair metal bands and and they're, they're, you know these music videos that were just like ridiculous. You know, mm-hmm. and I mean, Spinal Tap really captured that metal era of the '80s just so <laughs> perfectly. And and you know, all these bands where the lead singer hated the you know mm-hmm. the guys to start his friends and started a band and you know the whole McCartney Lennon of it all and and you know Daltrey and Townsend and everybody and it's just it's so. Freaking great! Well, very few films capture the sights, the sounds, the, the smells. smells of a major. <laughs> rock yeah, band I, I, it's funny because you mentioned the Ruddles. I, I, I was never a huge fan of the Ruddles. Everybody in high school was like huge fans of the Ruddles. They all say, "Oh, you gotta see Spinal Tap." It's like it's like the Ruddles, which I, I never really liked. And uh, but I went to see it because June Chadwick from V was in it. Oh my gosh! I love June Chadwick. <laughs> she, you know, and so I was like, "Oh well, I gotta go see it for June." Ch-. And then count. Ibley was in it too. That's right. So uh, Sir Dennis Eaton Hall. <laughs> but oh my God, that pound for pound is one of the funniest movies ever made, and the beginning of a very auspicious career for Rob Reiner as a director. And I think part of the appeal is, and it's, it really is the music, um, not just because the, the music is really good. We, at some point, you've seen it enough times that you can just sing along. Yeah. So yeah. it's an audience participation yeah. experience, which is which always delivers. I was so thrilled when was it Guitar Hero came out and they had uh, one of the Spinal Tap songs you could play on Guitar Hero. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. Which one was it? I think it was Rock and Roll Creation. Yeah, I think so. I don't remember now. I, I, I will admit I have never seen the Ruddles. I haven't either. All of it. I've it's, only seen clips. It's a better idea than it is. For whatever reason, everyone I knew freaking just thought that was like the benchmark for mockumentaries and just loved it and thought it was. I just never, never got it. But I, uh, boy, I love this is Spinal Tap. I just always puts a smile on my face. I watch it probably once, once a year, and it's always so so much fun. Great. And remember the Criterion uh, Laserdisc? It was all black. It didn't have anything, (laughs) and had the guitar pick. Yes, that's right. That's awesome. That was the only thing that said this is Spinal Tap on it because it was mm-hmm. just the 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 um the black album. The, it was just all black. Yeah, yeah. It was how it much was... more black? None. None <laughs> more black. <laughs> black. And, and I believe uh, I don't know if uh, this was just in the DVD or if it's on the Laserdisc that went onto the DVD, but they had an audio commentary track with the band members yeah. in right. character. Yeah, 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 which yeah, was yeah. Great. That was that was great. Did so. you did did anyone get the second CD from Spinal Tap? Oh yeah, Tap? absolutely. Back from the Dead. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. With the with the hit single Clam Caravan. Clam Caravan. <laughs> <laughs> That's supposed to be calm, calm caravan. Then they did, they did. Uh, Rob Reiner was not involved with the sequel they did for TV, which was terrible. Uh, oh, Return right. of Spinal Tap, I think it was. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, it was great to see Michael McKeon on Better Call Saul singing oh, Abba. Yeah, that yes. was that was great. Still got a great voice. Still has a great voice, and it was just like I was like, wow. And it, it took me a second. Like I right. forgot. And then it's like, wow, he, you know, uh, he can, singer. he's a really, oh, wait, yeah. it's my yeah. game. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> but oh, how great was Better Call Saul this season? 
Wonderful. As we'll Love talk it. about on our on our podcast, Saul podcast. calling Saul, <laughs> <laughs> son of Saul. Okay. Anyway, uh, so that was Wednesday. This is Spinal Tap, which was also Thursday. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, okay. So I'm now picking Thursday. Um, you know, look, I, I'm I, I probably should pick uh, Prince in Purple Rain. But I don't, don't have much. Go again. Oh, no, I don't have much to say about it. So I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna pick Alex Cox's Sid and Nancy. Okay, oh, yeah, um, interesting. I, it's a phenomenal movie. Another '80s uh, movie about uh, the the tortured, uh, difficult, difficult. That's a polite word for it. Relationship between Sid Vicious and Nancy Spungen, who Sid eventually uh, killed. Um, it's a movie that uh, probably Gary Oldman should have won the Oscar for. Right. Uh, he's so brilliant. Uh, playing Sid Vicious from the Sex Pistols, um, and uh, you know it, it was you know uh, Alex Cox was a total infant emf- terrible of the indie film scene in the '80s, a provocateur. Um, he did a movie uh, after with Sandinista, or what was it uh, that he did? Um, uh, oh, yeah. oh, I don't, I don't remember, but. Alex Cox was such an interesting director, but he was a total anarchist and left wing, super left wing, uh, uh, you know, and 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 kind of his career sort of imploded shortly after this. But uh, Sid Nancy's a great movie. It's dark. I don't watch it a lot because it's super depressing. Um, but uh, you know, really, really great movie and sort of celebrating the you know. Anarchic uh, spirit of punk. It's got a real gritty uh, feel to it. As I, I've only seen it once back in the day. Is is that on Criterion? It is on Criterion. Yeah, yeah I Criterion, need to read it. I want to uh, released that. it, and it's a beautiful disc that Criterion did. Uh, highly recommended. Also had the Criterion Laser Disc, oh. which I don't think I ever watched. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Nor will ever watch. No, no, that's true because I, I gave it away to a friend of mine who actually still watches laser discs, um, who thinks laser discs are better than Blu-ray. Probably thinks it's better than 4K UHDs. Keep deluding yourself, but uh, but he got a lot of good laser discs out of the bargain. Um, but yeah, I, I I think Sid Nancy's terrific movie, and and uh, uh, you know obviously it provides a nice contrast with the other films in our in our. Uh, well, our yeah, series. it's not a popcorn movie. No, and it's not. Uh, it's a it's a tragic. Uh, but there is a linear uh, uh, progression between the movies that we've selected. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's very you know, true. And in a way, I'm glad that you you took the doors and the spinal tap from me because uh, I do are. love uh, Sid and, and, and Nancy, and I just think it's a really terrific film. And uh, I was really into Alex Cox, and then I remember whatever that next movie was that Walker. Oh, Walker, remember Texas Walker? Ranger? No. <laughs> No, but and then and then he just straight out of hell. That was it. right. Okay, so it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> this is what happens. We, we unlike Steve, I don't have notes in front of me, and uh, you know Steve does his homework. The rest of us are, are just coasting. Right, off you our look off his good paper. looks and charm, yeah. and uh, I. Um, uh, you know, just um, was really intrigued by Alex Cox, and he never lived up to my my expectations. But boy, Sid Nancy's a really one of the I, one of the great sort of overlooked movies of the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, boy, Gary Oldman, boy, what what a chameleon he was! Because then he would go on and do The Professional for with um, uh, for uh, uh, Luc Besson, and then of course what he did recently with Winston Churchill. And you look at him in the Chris Nolan Batman movies. I mean, God, this guy could do anything. He's great. Yeah. As uh, in uh, True Romance, yeah, that's right. right. 
And I remember, I think Johnny Linden uh, sort of uh, disowned, Johnny Rotten disowned this movie, if I recall, when it came out. It's a while ago, but I don't think he felt it was sort of an accurate depiction of uh, of, 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 of the Sex Pistols. But um, well, That's a rotten thing to say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and what, you know, what an interesting band, you know. It's like their mu- music is captivating, but by all rights is pretty awful, but it's, it's, it's I still love the Sex Pistols. Isn't it interesting that, well, maybe with the exception of Amadeus, right, that um, these movies about musicians, which I think on some level are really just metaphors for people, like, making movies about their own experiences and their own art. But the message seems to be that artists are all crazy mm-hmm. and self-destructive, mm. right? It's it's just it's fascinating. I mean, it, and the reason why Amadeus feels like an exception is that he just seems to be enjoying himself. He loved life. Right. He loved what he was doing. I think. But and it was Salieri. It destroyed him. Yeah. It destroyed him. But he loved it. That's good. You know. So did uh, <laughs> so did all the others in our what in our films. What they remembered of it. The I mean, just look what burns. happened to Spinal Tap. Look what happened. To that. <laughs> <laughs> Must we? So let we look. Can't look away. Once again, we're we're uh, we're at Friday, which is where we we try and uh, throw out some ideas and distill it down to to a pick that we can mutually agree on. Um, I think there's a movie that none of us have mentioned that is a real great pick for Friday, if I might. Yeah. Um, which is, of course, is a Hard Day's Night, Richard oh. Lester's film about the Beatles um, at the height of Beatlemania. Uh, terrific film. Although I have to say that personally, I prefer Help. I, I probably puts me in the minority, but I just love that that help is basically a James Bond movie uh, <laughs> with the Beatles. I like um, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Oh my God, with the Bee Gees? Yeah. Wow. I was wow. seven. <laughs> <laughs> there are four lights. <laughs> um, wow. I know. Let's not know. disparage other suggestions. That's you know, right. W- 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 so my question then would be. Is something like Saturday Night Fever eligible? That's really musical. It's not. No, it's not, no. it's not even a musical. It, it, but it's it's about music. It, it's about no. the no. disco era. No, and no it's not no. about a musician. It's, it's setting is the disco era. Yeah, yeah. setting okay. is our, our and speaking right. of clubs. disco. Our new podcast, yeah. Disco Nights, with host Chase Masterson, is available wherever you listen to podcasts. You should check it out. If you yeah, like Star Trek Discovery, spinning ball at like that we just <laughs> and there's ABBA and it's awesome. You should call it Saturday Night Disco. <laughs> <laughs> I like that title better. <laughs> Saturday Night Disco. Um, it's too late. The shirts are already being made. Uh, okay. Um, also, uh, Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash oh, movie. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really terrific. You know. Remember, there was another movie. I don't know if you've seen it, Steve. I don't know if anybody's seen it this past uh, because it got a very limited release. But remember Floria Sigismondi? From, oh, yeah. I uh, saw it, the, her movie. Uh, the Runaways. The Runaways. Yeah. About Floria is this really brilliant photographer who Steve and I spent a lot of time with in um, Sigis in Spain many years mm-hmm. ago. Super. Just love her. She's she's a real character and uh, super talented. She's got a great eye. Oh, my God. Amazing eye. And she did a film about Joan Jett and the Runaways um, a couple years ago with Starring, Kristen Stewart. Uh, Kristen Stewart, And yeah. Dakota Fanning. And that's, that's a great little movie yeah, about- it was, uh, Yeah, I, I, made sure, I sought it out because when I saw that she had directed it, oh, I got to check this out. And uh, yeah, it's a good little movie. Yeah, yeah. That's somebody I wish we hadn't lost touch with. I really always, I really liked Floria. Yeah, I mean, she was such cool. an interesting, dynamic, uh, you know, person. And oh, just, she seems to be, energy. gosh, what, she just did something pretty Handmaid's big. Tale. Handmaid's Tale. She yes. did Handmaid's yeah, yeah. Tale. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad she's she's starting to find more success. Yeah, that was the year I think was I on the jury that year and then she was Yeah, I met her because we were both on the jury. We were both that's how I met her. We were both on the jury at Sigis and um and she, they were doing an art exhibition for her, for her photography. And you came, mm-hmm. and we had such a good time. Yeah, that was, was such great. a great, great, great trip. Um, well, I'm si- there are there are a lot of obvious movies that you've skipped over. Um, I'm not done, but you okay. go ahead. No, well, uh, I, 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 wanna, I, I skipped over. I want to give it. Okay. What, you no, put this well, on me? Well, well, yes. yeah, into, if I might interject at this juncture, yeah, sure, <laughs> you, you miss Sweet and Lowdown, of course. Oh uh, yeah! Oh love. my God! The Woody Allen movie starring Sean Penn as a uh, jazz musician. That gypsy guitar player. <laughs> uh, uh, Idolizes Django Reinhardt. A terrific. I I prefer movie. Splenda Down. Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but a, a terrific movie. I've always uh, you and uh, Mark and I saw it at Telluride Film Festival. We went down and, to the uh, uh, dump to shoot rats. <laughs> I just love that movie. I I think it's wonderful. I, it's, Why don't you pick it then? Because I like Amadeus more, and I can only pick one. But it was on my short list. But one movie I wanted to give a shout out to, which I I wonder if anyone at this at this table has even seen or heard of. Probably not. Bob no. Roberts. Yes, Bob <laughs> Roberts. No, uh, One Trick Pony. Oh, Paul Simon. Paul Simon, yeah, sure. 1980. Right. Yeah, yeah. Paul Simon stars in it, and he wrote the screenplay for it. And mm. uh, it's now available on uh, Warner Archive uh, I, on DVD, not Blu-ray. But right. uh, the closest I, I got to seeing that was the Art Garfunkel movie where he has sex with a corpse. Oh God! <laughs> Carnal knowledge? No. <laughs> it's, it's like, but this is a Sorry. it's a really interesting <laughs> movie. It was directed by Robert Young, who mm-hmm. and, from the when, coffee commercials. Well, he went no, on to direct Battlestar Galactica, the, the new Robert Robert uh, M. Young. He directed new five episodes of the of the oh uh, the, new Battlestar, the new Battlestar. Oh, okay. Because I would say they, he didn't direct the original. No, no. But um, uh, it also this movie also stars uh, Rip Torn. Well, let's not get ahead uh, of ourselves. Blair Brown. You mentioned Battlestar Galactica. So I want to tell you if you haven't bought this, so say we all the oral history <laughs> of Battlestar Galactica on on sale wherever books are sold. My new oral history of Galactica. You should check it out. It's great. Okay, it's go ahead. But so so one trick pony. Uh, uh, Paul Simon wrote a number of songs for it, uh, including the the title song One Trick Pony, and then uh, Late in the Evening, which mm-hmm. uh, yeah. was a success, very successful sure. song for him. Uh, he plays a, a folk rock singer uh, struggling to uh, keep working in the clubs. He had found success some years earlier, but was kind of in the wane of his career. His marriage is breaking up. Uh, there's some strife in the band. Uh, it's sort of a, a riches to rags story about trying to stay true to yourself as an artist in the face of pressure from uh, managers and record company people that want you to change your sound and, and who you are as a musician. And uh, it's a really great gritty, it's filmed on location in New York City. Uh, it's got a great gritty look to it. There's Since it uh, came out in 1980, there's a scene where uh, Paul Simon and his and the, his son walk out of a movie theater that's playing Empire Strikes Back. Oh well, there now we get there's the rub. That's um, why you but love any, it. But anyway, it's it's a good little movie. I, I would uh, I would recommend uh, if you like Paul Simon and you like you know it's got a, a, a real uh, uh, nice feel to it. Yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a really good suggestion. You know, we didn't mention. Um, uh, came Almost. out a couple years ago, a uh, terrific little movie, not to live it, it was a big hit, was uh, Straight Outta Compton about NWA, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. which it's is awesome. a wonderful, uh, wonderful movie um, that is extremely, extremely good. And then, of course, um, uh, you know... Um, Almost Famous. Almost Famous. Which is a terrific uh, movie by uh, Cameron Crowe, right. uh, sort of semi-autobiographical about a, a young journalist traveling... Uh, with a band on tour, Stillwater. 
Right. Um, a really terrific, uh, another epic film. It's close to three hours long. I think the, the bootleg edition is like three hours long. Um, just a, uh, a really great movie. I love that movie. Now, are we going to consider things like Don't Look Back, the Bob Dylan documentary, The Last Waltz, or Woodstock? Is it a mockumentary? I think absolutely. I mean, there's also Searching for Sugar Man. Oh, yeah. Searching uh, for Sugar Man is great. Anvil, the story of Anvil about the heavy metal band. We need Steve Krizir here for that. He loves that movie. (laughs) My writing producing partner, Steve Krizir, he is obsessed with Anvil. Um, But yeah, I mean, Last Waltz is fantastic. Obviously, Woodstock's amazing. Uh, Um, An out-of-the-box selection would be um, Walter Hill's Crossroads. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a country no. blues. Blues. Yeah, blues. It's, it's all it's, about going yes, down to the, the crossroads, crossroads, sell your yes, soul. Yeah. That's right. Robert Johnson. Yeah, that that's a that's a great wasn't Ralph Macchio in that? He was. Well the, um as long as we're at it, uh, how about Robert Altman's Nashville? Nashville. Oh, yeah. Sure. You know, that, that's a big omission. That's a good you brought that up. I, we would have been remiss not to mention Nashville. And again, I, I think I briefly mentioned this, but I, how could we not say Under the pur- Purple Moon? Oh, wait. I mean, uh, uh, Purple Rain. Cherry Rain and Under the Purple Moon. Yeah, no, no. The, uh, you know, Purple Rain is, uh, you know, Paper, pr- paper Prince, Rain. You know, we're, or Eminem and uh, Eight Mile. Yeah. Well, let's not forget that it's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, dark and and we're we're wearing wearing sunglasses. sunglasses. Hit it. The Blues Brothers, man. Yeah! The Blues Brothers. A great, epic, uh, early 80s comedy about uh, the Blues Brothers. Blues Review. I could not possibly agree more. I'm surprised that that we've had so little representation from John Landis over these weeks. You know, this man did some of the great comedies of all time, like Animal, Animal House, House and Others. American we Werewolf. We haven't really done comedy com- weeks. Yeah. yeah, we haven't done a lot of comedy. The comedy or, starts here. Or Werewolf Week. That's right. Uh, anything like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, Blues or... Brothers is another uh, one of the first R-rated movies I ever saw mm-hmm. after Alien. It might have been the second R-rated movie mm-hmm. I ever saw, and that's another one I revisit. It's so I quotable. Love the John Blues Belushi, Brothers. Dan Aykroyd. Singable. Singable. It's so much fun. Um, Who didn't that car chase the, is yeah. insane. Totally. That's the greatest car chases in movie history. The, um, the, Steven uh, Spielberg the Nazis falling to their death. Don't tell that to John Frankenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe the the biggest in terms of number of cars yes, wrecked. I would the, agree with that. The case I would I, I love the Blues Brothers and I like I lean very strongly that way. The case I would make for Walk the Line is that it was the most successful. Um, a movie of its kind ever made. Um, and it's also really fascinating. I was lucky enough to kind of cross paths with uh, Jim Mangold um, briefly kind of talking about the, the Wolverine. We sort of got into this conversation about um, Walk the Line and kind of his view of action scenes and all this other shit. And, uh, and he said the key to Walk the Line was every song uh, was an action scene. Every song was the song where. So... Um, there was only a song if something happened in it. So this is the song where Johnny gets his contract. This is the song where he meets June. This is the song where he breaks down. This is the song where they get married. Um, and it was really pinned to the songs. It wasn't, there was, there's was never a moment in that movie where um, there's a there's a performance or there's a song that is in, that is not in some way tied to story. Uh, and it's actually legitimately great. Um, I think it, it it deserves sort of the accolades that uh, that it received and, and the box office success that uh, that it enjoyed. Um, that said, it's it's not the Blues Brothers. <laughs> you know, we didn't talk about um, "Can't Stop the Music," you know, which, which I was going to say. Whip, whiplash. The, the tagline was the uh, new 
musical, La La Land. the mu- movie musical event of the '80s was uh, "Can't Stop the Music." Well, not my tempo. No, I, I you know, Ashley brought up Whiplash, which I think is a terrific uh, movie from a couple years back. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, really great, and one I of think my... it's his best movie. Yes, actually, and I agree. and an, an, another low budget film from a few years back that I adore once. The movie about the Irish uh, musician uh, who uh, meets up with a, a young woman and they form this duet, and it's kind of a love story set in the uh, English music scene. If you never have you, has nobody seen this no. movie? Once now, once oh. it's freaking great. Didn't, they made a play didn't. out of it. It's a, made a stage play. It's I said twice now. upon a time. I didn't see. <laughs> see um, also in two thousand four, Jamie Fox as Ray Charles. Oh, and yeah, Ray. Ray. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah. I mean, there's so many of these mu- musical biopics. They're all you know really solid, like Walk the Line and Ray. And um, you know what we we're, we're missing is Coco. You know, they, they say there's no Ed Wood, Jim, but there is. I've seen it. Menachem Golan's The Apple. You know, which I actually is haven't seen the, that. The, uh, you know, this dystopian, you know, cult anti-classic by, you know, Golden of Golden Globus, you know, and in, 19, you know, it takes place in the futuristic year of 1994 in which, uh, <laughs> <laughs> in a world dominated by the music and drugs. And it's just, it's insane, you know, crazy movie. Well, in fact, you don't need to watch the movie. Just watch that fantastic Canon Films documentary, Electric oh, Boogaloo. Yeah, right. That's all it's you need to know about the Apple. I mean, there's a whole run on it that's just fantastic. I've been waiting to see that with a crowd in a theater. Oh, God, I I'd love to see that with a crowd. It's the, like the room. The you want to see the Apple. Once in a while, yeah. Well, now the New Beverly's reopening finally. Yeah. Maybe they'll show the Apple. We've got to go see that. Does Streets well, of Fire count? Oh, it was a musical fable, a rock and roll a fable. A rock and roll fable. Oh, mm-hmm. I love oh, Streets of Fire. I love Streets of Fire. There's no other week we can get it into, right? Unless we do Michael Pere week. <laughs> so, <laughs> or uh, Diane Lane week. Or Di- <laughs> I don't think it would make or Diane Will Lane and week. Or week. Okay. Well, <laughs> great. Let's but stop the music. Look, if we're going in that direction, then we got to mention Xanadu. That is yeah, true. But, but the difference is Streets of Fire is awesome. Well, to other people, Xanadu is awesome. Okay, I love Olivia Newton-John. What's not to like? She can do no what wrong. What about yeah. Grease? But, what Greece. about Greece? But it's not about musicians. Those are yeah, ones oh, that that's I true. love. That's a musical. Ooh, ooh, but it's street, yeah, Streets yeah, of Fire. Right. Ellen Aim. Ellen Aim. She's abducted by William Defoe and his band of and his tough talking leather dad. overalls. <laughs> leather overalls. And 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 then Rick Moranis recruits Michael Pere to go rescue her from what what part of town? In the bad part of town. And they team up with a, a R and B group. And they have uh, a sledgehammer fight. And they have a sledgehammer fight underneath the L at, on the Universal backlot. It's freaking great. Yeah, it's a I, rock and roll I fable. I remember they were filming that when me and my family visited Universal Studios in the early 80s on the on the studio tram tour. Like, we're currently shooting Streets of Fire, and they had That's tented back when in. they used to shoot movies on the yeah. Universal they, lot. They had, they had like, tented in a whole yeah, yeah. block of Because the it was all night. It was nighttime. And, yeah, and, and, so yeah. I, and if day. you watch the documentary on, on the wonderful Shout Factory Blu-ray, they talk about what a nightmare it was because uh, the, the birds would start to... Um, Nest underneath the tent oh. and, and and interrupt takes and then <laughs> the, 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 there would be problems with the tents and water would getting there be like in condensation and, oh and yeah dripping it, down or it was it, all, it was a disaster it was a nightmare but it's such a cool look because it's not the future but it is the future but it's really the fifties and. It, 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 and plus, I love that soundtrack. Oh my god, it's so good. nowhere fast going nowhere fast. And Diane Lane, it's like. How do you not fall in love with Diane Lane? Oh, well, well, okay, let's bring out our word because it's truly applicable to Diane Lane in that movie. Luminous. Luminous. She is freaking Pop, she possibly is so sumptuous. Hot. Yes. Oh my God. And yep. and and she's great in that movie. I think she disowns it now, but she was great. She and Walter be. Hill had planned it as a trilogy. It was like gonna be this epic 
you you know thing, and it just tanked. It tanked. But I I, I saw it. I went to a press screening for it back in high school, and um, I love that movie. I yeah. was obsessed with that movie. I think it's an excellent choice. Well, it's interesting <laughs> that it didn't make your first choice. I didn't even think of it, to be honest. Uh, nor did I think of Sweet and Lowdown, which is great. I, I have to say, I, for me, I, it's a toss-up between a Hard Day's Night, uh, St- Streets of Fire, and Purple Rain. Hmm. Three movies I haven't seen. Wait, you haven't seen Purple Rain? You haven't seen Sweet. Okay, we're shutting down the podcast. We're shutting (laughs) down. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Because Steve needs to go home. I can't. You haven't seen once. Come on. So what? In Purple Rain with Prince. (laughs) I I wasn't in the Prince when that movie came out. How could you not? It was on MTV every three seconds. I didn't have MTV. I didn't have have no cable. I had no cable. Every five minutes. (laughs) Did you watch Friday Night Videos? Sometimes. Well, there you go. It was on Friday Night Videos every five minutes, that stupid video. I mean, it, that, that, that was the biggest album since Thriller. I know. I own it. I own it now. You own the album? But I, yeah, yeah, You've never seen, seen the movie, the movie with never Vanity? Movie. Was it Vanity or Apollonia? Who was it? Vanity. It? You don't know. I, I don't remember. The, it, it's, a, it's a legendary movie. It, it's, I just, I know, it's great. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it's not legendary. No, no, I, know, like, I know, I just haven't seen it. It's one of those movies that I haven't seen. Wow. Like, well, you, okay. Well, that's what the show is for. Yeah. It's to shine a light on these 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 movies. And shine so, a light. Uh, you, you should. You. Did you see Streets of Fire? No, I never did. Jeez, You've never seen does. Streets no. of Fire. <laughs> But you know what? The thing is, though, oh, I'm going to give you my Blu-ray. I think I have seen to hear him talk, say what he thinks. I did see that. Well, Hard Day's Night is is. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's part of a, any movie aficionado's. Yeah. You know, uh, um, you know, it's, it's it's if there are a hundred movies you have to see. I mean, it's certainly one of them. I, I wouldn't argue it's one of the greatest movies ever made, but it's it's a very important movie. You know, and uh, to Darren shaking his head. Or it, I, I was agreeing with you when you said it wasn't the, one of the greatest movies ever made. No, I, I don't think not. I don't think it is, but I think it, it's such an important. It's a it's a, a fascinating document in this genre. Time you know, sort of the Beatles at the height of their or at the beginning of their huge popularity. You know, uh, there hadn't been anything quite like it, and the documentary style that Richard Lester brought to it. Um, uh, there's some great scenes in it. There's, you know, it's uneven, but I mean, there's some really fantastic stuff. Like I said, I like Help better, but that's me. I wouldn't argue Help's the better movie, but I, right. I just enjoy Help more. We all enjoy Help. Well, I mean, I just <laughs> love we all the, need it. We need I, it. You know, I just, <laughs> yeah. I just love that it's a spy movie with the Beatles. I just think that's cool. I mean, they don't like it, but I think it's cool. And it's more Ringo, and Ringo's, you know, Ringo's just fun. So anyway, so it's really, I, I think I think Friday is pretty much up in the air. I think really, well, I we think better figure it out because I know you said Blues Brothers. I like Blues Brothers. I would make a case for Streets of Fire. Uh, Darren, what do you think? What do I, you have? I the, kind uh, of, I don't know. I really have no opinion on this. We've never had this much trouble on yeah, Friday. This is a this is a troubling mm-hmm. one because there's so much you know bounty to choose from. Well, you know, we we never mentioned High Fidelity or School of Rock or yeah, Twenty Four Hour Party good. People. Oh, Twenty Four Hour Party People is great. It's a, about the Manchester oh, with Steve Coogan. music scene. Steve Coogan. It's a really great yeah, movie. That about, was a revelation. Uh, yeah. That movie, and that's the thing I think most about people haven't seen. In the factory in Manchester. That's a great movie, and it's available on on on. I don't know if it's on Blu-ray. It's available for streaming and download. I know I mean, iTunes. I have has the it. DVD of it. I, yeah. yeah. I I, I I don't think I was able to. There was ever a DVD, a Blu-ray, so I think I I got a no, high def version yeah. on uh, iTunes. And then of course Josie and the Pussycats, a kind yeah. of a guilty pleasure of mine. Me a too. Fun little movie about Me based too. on the Archie comics about 
Josie and her and band the and the Pussycats. Uh, oh. But they're not in outer space. I'm uh, I had a pitch Parker meeting over Posey. there at Archie, and I, I remember I said, I said, I have an embarrassing admission. I really like the Josie It's a fun movie. little, it's a it's a satire of the music industry uh, with Parker Posey as, you know, and if, had this nefarious deal with the government to implant subliminal messages and you know teen what else? pop music. You know what else? We, you, you mentioned Josie and the Pussycats were missing. Wayne's World. Wayne, uh, Wayne's uh, World. Party time. Excellent. excellent. Yeah, I guess that does uh, that does qualify, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 I kind of mm. feel it does. They're kind of musicians. I well, guess. no, they're they aren't, but the girlfriend is. Right. And then in right. Wayne's World, two is explicitly yeah. about. Wow, there's so many actually fine choices here. Yeah. Here's the thing, Patton. I, I I love <laughs> Patton. Yes, I I love the idea of putting. Streets of Fire in on Friday. My issue is that Steve has not seen it. You know, so, I trust you guys. If you feel passionate about it, I will borrow Mark's Blu-ray and watch it. It's a rock and roll fable. And, you know, and if part of this show is to say to the audience, these are movies you may not have seen that you should check out, I would feel very good about sending the audience off to watch Streets of Fire. I think for that reason alone, I would go along with that. Okay. okay. Fair. Everyone's seen Blues Brothers, and we love it. That's yeah, what's not to like? And everybody right. knows the Blues Brothers, and yeah, it's, it's true. And uh, one of the great car chase weeks, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll do that car chase week. You know, be Bullet. And You'll get your chance. Blues <laughs> Brothers <laughs> and, and you know, Cessify uh, Love Me. Or Ronan, yep, yep. Okay, so uh, Monday. <laughs> Amadeus, Amadeus. Tuesday. Tuesday is uh, what? Oh, The Doors. Wednesday. This one goes to 11. This is Spinal Tap. Thursday, is it too late to change my vote to Sweet and Lowdown? No. Uh, Thursday, it is Ski. Ski? <laughs> Thursday, it's Sid and Nancy. And Friday, Streets of Fire, Rock and Roll Fable. This has been Can't Stop the Music Week. <laughs> Another half-assed uh, production of we're, <laughs> and And, and <laughs> it's sort of funny doing a show about music without actually playing any music. But um, We can't we'll, afford it. We can't afford it. We'll, we'll be back next Friday with an all-new episode on the 430 Movie, wherever you listen to podcasts. Meanwhile, we hope you'll check out our sister shows. And What'd you call them? Not sister shows? Uh, sibling sibling shows. shows. Sibling One shows. big happy fleet. Yes. Uh, our sibling shows, Inglorious Trexperts, the ultimate Star Trek po- podcast, hosted by... Darren Docterman and myself, and Disco Nights, a celebration of Star Trek Discovery featuring host Chase Masterson and her special guests. Meanwhile, if you want to check out previous episodes of the 430 Movie or purchase some of our great 430 Movie logo wear, you can go to 430movie.com or suggest future theme weeks or tell us how we screwed up, which we did big time this week, at Twitter or on Facebook at 430 Movie. If you're feeling really generous, please go on Apple Podcasts and rate us five stars. Five is for favorite. And finally, a very special thanks to Bill Ritter, who's making faces at us because I'm sure we forgot some of his favorite movies. And everyone here at Electric Studios, there's Natalie in the back, producer Natalie Mescal, who is uh, looking at her monitor. It's sort of like, you know, like you would always see um, uh, Bob Morton on uh, Letterman show, like, you know, standing at the monitor, or, or Rip Torn Rip during Torn, Larry, Sanders. Larry Sanders. She's like Rip Torn on Larry Sanders, just uh, standing there looking at the monitor. So that's very cool. And we thank you. And uh, until next week, on behalf of uh, Stephen, Ashley, Darren, and myself, thank you for joining us here on the 430 movie. And now Eyewitness News starts at six o'clock. <laughs> Thank you. 
This episode brought to you by Slim's Throat Emporium, home of the Pan-Galactic Gargle Blaster. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.